0: This podcast is powered by Your Call, Australia's leading external whistleblowing service, which is trusted by some of the sector's most progressive and largest providers. Your Call has helped employees and residents safely speak up against wrongdoing at their aged care provider for over 15 years. Visit whistleblowing.com.au to learn more. Your Call is proudly a Certified B Corporation. Joining me now is Pauline Cromery, coordinator at VALS LGBTI Aging and Aged Care at the Australian Research Centre in Sex, Health and Society at La Trobe. Pauline, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you for speaking to me today.
0: During Marie McCabe's testimony at the Royal Commission on Dementia, we heard a pretty harrowing story of a gay couple, one of whom developed dementia and eventually was unable to recognise his partner. and almost went back to a time when he was in a previous heterosexual marriage. Uh, and that's obviously one issue that faces the LGBTI community in aged care. Uh, what are some of the other issues?
1: I guess there's a whole range of issues um, that we're aware of um, through um, research, over, the, uh, particularly over the last 10 years. Um, so we know that many older LGBTI people are really fearful of going into residential aged care and, you know, we could say that that is the same really throughout the community. However, I think the stakes are a lot higher for LGBTI people. Um, we know that LGBTI people from the research are um, have a higher need potentially for a range of support services as they age because they don't have a lot of those informal supports in place that many other people may have and by that I mean um, children and um, particularly family of origin. We know that Therefore there is a high likelihood that they will need support services but there seems to be a real absence of knowledge about those low-level support services that can keep you living within the community and living at home. so things like the Commonwealth Home Support Program, home care packages um, but um, and also coupled with that I would say that even if people do know about those services there is, Still, somewhat a fear um, based on their historical experiences of discrimination and accessing services. So, for many older LGBTI people, their home has largely been a safe place. So, it's been the possibly the one place where they can go and be safe. Um, and by needing to access services and have them coming to your home it means that that safe place may not be um, so safe and potentially violated. And um, there seems to be both, uh, and we know this from research, and there was a recent, um, some recent research done here at La Trobe University called Rainbow Aging, and there was an overwhelming preoccupation and fear of going into residential aged care. Mm-hmm. And there didn't seem to be much knowledge about those other support services. Mm-hmm. We also know that many older LGBTI people um, often don't have an advocate and an advocate is really important as you age but also you know, if you find yourself um, in hospital or a range of situations and you need someone to be able to step up and advocate on behalf of your needs mm-hmm. and... Um, By and large, there seems to be, from the research, a real anxiety about needing to ask for assistance and then also knowing where to find that assistance.
0: From what you've seen, how do the carers or um, nurses in aged care facilities, how do they cope with the LGBTI community and residents?
1: I think things are changing as much. uh, you know, I've worked in this space. Um, I, I have a community aged care background myself mm. and I know that um, I came to be working in and around LGBTI um, issues and inclusivity um, from when I was working in community aged care and our service developed um, knowledge and capacity to be LGBTI um, inclusive and then you know ultimately go on to get the first rainbow tick. And pretty much, you know, that was... mm, We started doing work potentially around 10 years ago but got the rainbow tick in 2012. And at that point in time, there was really... There seemed to be an apathy or a misunderstanding of, well, we don't need to do this because we won't have any LGBTI clients. We don't have any LGBTI residents living here. And people were um, coming to that conclusion based on a whole range of different variables. But it just seemed that, um, that you know, services were provided in a very heteronormative and um, cisgendered approach um, which I think is changing. So in 2012, the federal government released the first National LGBTI Aging and Aged Care Strategy. And while that didn't um, require services to actually do anything, um, <clears throat> excuse me, it certainly raised awareness about a range of issues and potentially what services could do. That strategy has just been replaced with, um, at the end of 2017, the the, um, Aged Care Diversity Framework and Mm. just this week, the LGBTI Action Plans, one for consumers and one for um, aged care providers, have been released and that will provide a bit of a roadmap, I think, for service providers and I think has really worked to elevate that knowledge, that, you know, and we don't hear so much, um, well, as much as we used to, that we don't have any LGBTI people um, in our service or accessing our service. I think things are slowly changing, but um, we still have a long way to go, that's for sure. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I was going to mention the action plan, but obviously because of the Royal Commission, everything... It, within the aged care framework is under the spotlight and everything, I think, is up for debate and change. So what do you think are kind of some solid things that need to be changed to make uh, aged care more inclusive going forward?
1: Um, well, obviously, you know, it it starts at the top. So organisational commitment um, and um, action and then that slowing down through the different layers of um, services and, you know, direct at, at direct service delivery, obviously. Um, I think one of the challenges that keeps coming up, um, that services say, oh, well, you know, that's great, we, we can educate our staff, but, but by and large we have um, other residents that grew up in those times of social stigma and discrimination and and possibly were the perpetrators of that discrimination or at least, um, you know, held those um, views that um, LGBTI people um, um, didn't belong or weren't welcome um, in in a range of social settings. And then that's translated back into the residential aged care setting um, when you... Potentially have you know um, LGBTI people and heterosexual people um, in the same facility, so I think that is a challenge and it was only yesterday that a service provider brought that up with me and said you know our staff are great, but we have um, some older older people in our service who um, you know won't buy this and mm. um, how do we make our service a safe place for everyone. So I think that is a real challenge, but it's not it's not something that's insurmountable. It's about ensuring that we articulate to everyone accessing services that everyone is welcome and that we ensure that, you know, that that there is a resident Um, or client code of conduct that everyone is aware of and that we celebrate diversity um, broadly but also around LGBTI issues within um, a setting so that everyone has an understanding of the lived experience and also the history of LGBTI people and that they are welcome at services and... um, and they, they have a right to access services as well.